Welcome to the Ape Talks. As always, this is your host, Mr. Ape, and I hope you enjoy the 15th installment of me talking to myself. So just a few hours ago, I was on the phone with my friend, a good friend of mine, and we were talking about uh, his interview. He recently had this interview to a job. He had passed three out of four of them, and it was time for the final one with the big partner of this firm he was applying to. He's a very healthy-minded being who cares about his health and his well-being. He takes care of his friends, and he's a joy to be around. Uh, There's not a person I know who dislikes him. But maybe he's not what they're looking for in terms of when you apply to a firm, you know, what, what is a job? You know, what is the job of a firm? A firm or any kind of massive business is really a kind of army, right? Their mission is to obtain your money. And their mission is to provide you a service by asking you for more money than it costs them to do it, right? That's the basis of any business. Now, you can do it in an ethical way where you don't make that much money, just enough where it's fair. But when we talk about big firms, their job is to basically become vampires. And they're looking for other vampires who can help them obtain this blood of their victims. So they look for lethal people, for vampires like them, to help them on their mission, right? So my friend, being such a nice guy, you know showed some kindness and uh, very, very important values we all have. He showed that he was aware of his mistakes, you know, he asked for feedback, he was a bit self-conscious, like any healthy human being would be after enduring a stressful interview. But when it comes to these vicious firms, they can see that easily as weakness. They're looking for lions, they're looking for vampires, they're looking for monsters. I was telling him what a mistake you did by showing them your weak side when they're looking for a vicious tiger to hire. And he told me, what do you mean? Why is that wrong? And all his friends told him the same thing. And I told him, listen, man, when you talk to these demons, you have to show them your teeth. If you want to join the club, you have to prove yourself. But they're looking for a demon. (laughs) You have to show them you're a demon. And you know what? That got me thinking. I can't believe I'm saying this to him because he's such a beautiful person. And what I'm telling him is basically to corrupt himself in order to get the job he wants. (laughs) And it's sad, but it's true. We live in a wicked, wicked dimension. In this dimension, there are many wicked things that occur that we all like to ignore and not talk about and not discuss. For instance, my cute little German Shepherd Whiskey, this little cute puppy I have. She's an only two months and a bit old German Shepherd puppy. She's cute and fluffy and adorable. Anyone who sees her, especially the women, just want to pet her and say, Oh, how cute. She's so adorable. Oh my God, what's her name? Oh, Whiskey. Oh my God, she's so adorable. Wow, she's so beautiful and she's so soft. What most people don't understand is her dream in life is to tear the shit out of another being and devour it with its teeth. You know, she's a monster. She's a little monster. She's going to be a big monster one day. And it's my job to exercise that demonic energy in her, that instinctual need for survival, that instinctual need to destroy something and eat it with its teeth through healthy ways, like encouraging her to play with her toys, to play tug of war with me, and disciplining her and telling her no when she uh, attempts to bite someone or even mouths gently. I don't want to encourage that in my dog. But I still must find ways to reward her and to give her that hunger to satisfy that need she has to eat. Right, I give her some raw things to chew on every now and then. I'm just saying that we all have this energy. 
This energy we don't like to address, this violent hunger. That is why the most peaceful men I have met have been the most brutal Muay Thai fighters I've come across in Thailand. They're so brutal and devastating in their moves and their hits and their kicks and their fights that it's terrifying. But when they're not fighting, they're very, very calm people. They're very gentle and calm beings. And the reason they can obtain that clarity and calmness and harmony within themselves is because they exercise that hunger often and well. So that they're well released when you see them. They're well exercised. They're calm inside. They don't have that hunger building up, that bubbling of blood inside that drives them to these primal needs they have. Because they address it. And they're not afraid to do it, you know, this is their job. They fight around a hundred times a year. Most UFC fighters get a couple fights a year only, you know. These people are real violent motherfuckers who thirst for blood and fight so often you wouldn't believe the shape their bodies are in. They're always in fighting condition. But at the same time, they're very gentle and peaceful beings. They're very humble as well. They can't be that brutal and arrogant. It doesn't work. In terms of a formula, it does not work. It breaks. It can't be maintained that way. They have to realize it eventually. The more they get their asses handed to them, the more hits they take, the more blows they receive, life eventually teaches them the importance of humility, especially in this art that they partake in. The best scuba diver I know is this guy called Ali. And Ali is this amazing magician when it comes to breathing underwater. His air consumption is unbelievably minimal. I mean, it's three times better than me. We both go into the water with 200 bars each. I come out with 40, he comes out with 120 every time. And uh, he breathes one breath every 15 minutes and he's constantly in motion. He's a very active guy, he's the camera guy we have underwater. And he's a very strong guy. You know, he's very humble and he's very calm and he's the most gentle person on the boat. He's very gentle, and he, every time someone critiques another diver, he says, oh, well, that diver is new. You know, he's very gentle towards the other divers. He's not judgmental. He's very humble, and he's very sweet. What makes him so good is because he's so humble, and he's so likable, too. He's such a gentle human being. He's such a beautiful ape. And in the water, he's like a frog. And he has to be wickedly strict towards himself. I still don't understand his secret to breathing so little. The more I dive with him, the more confused I get, the more curious I get. The more I wonder how he has this ability. And keep in mind, this man is 30 years older than me. <laughs> you know, and his air consumption is phenomenal. We always have to keep this in mind, that sometimes we have to change how we behave according to what we're trying to achieve right now in this moment. Whether it's getting that right job we're trying to land, and passing those interviews and showing a certain character they want to see in us whether it's out-breathing the master underwater, or whether it's killing a chicken in a slaughter to feed yourself or to feed someone you love or whatever, right? Because we don't like to look at this, but most of the meat we consume is brutally butchered to death, turned upside down, inside out. The skin is removed, each hair is plucked, and it's served on a plate in front of you. And there's nothing wrong with that. That is just the reality of life that we live. It's a wicked world. It's a brutal world. Sometimes we have to impress the witch to join her cult. We have to prove to her and her wizardry and her sorcery that we are the right person to plant that apple, that dangerous apple. It depends what we want to do with this body. It depends how you see everybody. And as sad as I was to tell my friend that 
he has to show this kind of character to these kinds of people in order to get that job in his next interviews because he's such a good person and I'm afraid that this job is going to tarnish his beautiful mind and his gentle soul but in reality it's not it's just going to bring in something inside of him that's been waiting to come out like it is in all of us this energy this hunger this wickedness we all possess we all possess the ability to be extremely wicked to another body we all possess this wickedness in our body that allows us to become extremely bloodthirsty towards any other body and sometimes it can get quite scary and the real problem is we don't like to talk about this we only like to talk about gentle and peaceful things we don't like to acknowledge these main things we must discuss and the effects of us not discussing this is these people that come out and shoot up an entire school or these monsters that kill a hundred people and hide them all in their basement we must always openly discuss these things even though they're scary dangerous things we must have an open dialogue where everyone can share their opinion and everyone can express how they feel about this shit. Otherwise, you build these demons that bottle it up and find devious ways to release this energy. It's a very important thing to educate ourselves about how to release this demonic energy, this wickedness we all have in us, right? We're all certainly demonic to a certain degree. We are all certainly wicked and we all have that ability. And we all must find a way to release that occasionally. Whether it's painting, drawing, exercising, swimming, running, jogging, rock climbing, motorcycle driving, plane flying, dog training, whatever it is, Muay Thai fighting, there must be something, some sort of activity that you partake in that helps you release this wickedness that you have inside of you. Because it's not healthy to let that sit in there and fester and slowly consume you. It's not good to do so. And if you really want to be a gentle and peaceful being, you must find ways to get rid of this, to exercise this, to release this. And the thing is, we're not going to find constructive ways with dealing with this until we openly discuss this. Until we can openly come up with solutions for this, more effective ways of handling this. The one job I ever had where they really wanted to see this more than any kind of firm could want was in the army. In the army, they really want you to become a demon. They really want you to show your wickedness and your teeth and your bloodthirstiness. They really encourage this inside you. They do things, some strategic tactical things to your mind to put you in a certain condition to be ready to kill at any moment, to want to kill even, to be excited to kill and to do it instantly and not to be afraid of doing it. They know how to press these buttons inside of you, these buttons that trigger this wickedness. They know exactly what to do to you and to do to your friends and your peers and your comrades in that bunker to get that shit cooking and going. And what you see is uh, beautiful, young, gentle guys go in and then two weeks later there are these demons and monsters that are, that are a bloodthirsty nightmare to anyone to encounter. I've met some insane people in that place. And there's a lot of those people out there is what we don't understand, you know. Scarface is another great example of this. Because the main protagonist of that movie is a demon, is a bad guy, right? Tony Montana's an evil bastard. He's a bloodthirsty and wicked demon. He has some morals here and there, but in the end of the day, he's a demon. And even though it was one of the first movies ever that the main protagonist was a bad guy, we always have this sympathy for the uh, fall guy. Because it's kind of boring to always root for the stronger character. We like the idea of the underdog. It gives us hope. 
It makes us look at reality as though, yes, there is a chance for us to get what we want to get. You know, if this underdog can, so can we. And what makes it so much more impactful is that it's so unlikely. It's harsh, but it's also beautiful. But that's reality. And the reality is I'm very lucky because I don't have to do such wicked things that most people have to do in order to survive. You know, most people aren't as lucky as me, unfortunately. They have to do extremely wicked things to survive. And it is not my place to judge anybody because I cannot imagine what it's like to be in someone else's shoes who has to do a certain wicked act in order to eat the next day. For those people, I only have my sympathy. Now, at the same time, if those people got in my way and in the way of the people I loved, they wouldn't have my sympathy. And that's the wickedness we all have, right? We like to be picky with our sympathy, like myself, for example. You know, I'm not going to have sympathy for the guy who's trying to kill me to survive. For him, I, have to, I can't have sympathy. I have to survive. It's that wickedness we all have and we don't like to address. And I've also seen the other side of this. I vividly remember once I was sitting at this uh, noodle stand. I was on my bike eating some noodles. They have these things all over Thailand. And I parked my bike in front of this one place. And it's busy street around 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock at night. And there was a lot of people around me. There was a lot of people walking around. And I was uh, enjoying whatever th thing I was eating from that guy's stand. And in front of me, all of a sudden, I see this man covered in tattoos. Uh, looks like gang tattoos, some Thai gang tattoos. And he's just beating the shit out of this woman in the middle of the street. Hundreds of people around just ignoring it and walking around it. And I looked at the noodle guy or the food guy, the food stand guy. And I told him, you know, oh my God, what is this? And he told me, just shut up and eat your food. And Thai told me, no, 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 just eat your food. From what I understood, he told me to not fucking look and just eat my food. And I did that, you know. I just tried not to look at that and I ate my food slowly. It was very, very violent what this man did to that woman. But I didn't do anything. I just sat there and I watched. Why? Because I have that wickedness inside me that understands that life is not fair. Sometimes it's not worth it. I don't know the situation. I could make it worse. I could not have a positive effect on that encounter. And I could not have the ability to stop it anyway. So I would probably get my ass handed to me at the same time. So it's, is it in my place to intervene? I am not the police. And this ass whooping of this woman lasted for a good 10 minutes. And nobody did anything about it. And that's part of the dark side of Asia. That's part of the culture over there. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? I don't know. Maybe it is a bad thing, to be honest. People mind their own business there, you know? No one really uh, files a noise complaint or whatever. There's not that mentality really there. It doesn't exist. Everyone just minds their own business and moves on with their life. It's kind of sad. Whereas in America, you would have people around it with cameras and, you know, on, on their phones trying to stop it, calling the police. In Asia, it's another story. The Muay Thai fighters I knew when I was telling them the story, they all attacked me and told me, how could you not do anything? And I told them, what can I do? You know, my old Muay Thai trainer, his name is Supan, this crazy motherfucker. He's been stabbed in the heart and he's just a monster. By the age of 24, he had already been in over 400 fights, 400 fights on his body that he's endured. So this man was covered in scars and tattoos and stitches and whatever you want. You know, he was a demon. He was not afraid of uh, releasing this uh, skill he had on any opponent. Anything wrong he didn't care, he would get himself involved in. And I'm not built like him, you know? I'm not a monster. I'm not as strong as he is. I'm not as crazy as Supan. And in the end of the day, we all have to be realistic. 
with our wickedness. And I have to be honest about it, you know? I can't pretend to be something I'm not. I, I'm, I will never have that power that Supan has. Because he's been training Muay Thai since he was six years old. And he's been in fights professionally from that age on. So, you know, that's another being, that's another demon, that's another creature that's a completely different ape than the one I am. And we have to acknowledge, you know, we have to acknowledge our limits sometimes. Sometimes when we're in a fury of anger and this wickedness has completely consumed us. We are not thinking clearly, we're thinking emotionally and irrationally, and we want to go in and we don't care. And there is this thing that we get, this adrenaline boost of energy when a loved one is in danger, this defensive energy that they just have inside of them, this energy that just emerges inside of them to protect one another. But at the same time, we have to be, always be aware of what we're feeling right now, you know? <laughs> we have to always be aware of the energy we have inside us. We have to be aware, are we being wicked or are we being fair right now? Is it a time to be wicked or is it a normal time where we don't need to be wicked? It's important to acknowledge everyone has this wickedness inside of them to some degree, right? Everyone is a good and a bad person to some degree. We're always both, right? But do we always need to be that bad person? I don't think so. Most of the time we don't. Most of the time, rarely in our lives, do we need to show that side of ourselves to anyone else. It's only on those few and rare occasions where it happens. But rarely is it good to show this wickedness. Rarely is it beneficial to anyone. And when we show it in a, in a bad way to people, or we start fights with people for no reason on the street or whatever, it never goes well. But when we find good ways to exercise this energy, because this wickedness is a bad wickedness to some degree, it can be a bad wickedness, but you can use this unbelievable feeling of energy and stimulation and out-of-controlness in something beautiful. You can create something beautiful with it as well. That's what we need to realize here. If we can look at it and talk about it in an open-minded way, we can come up with ways and help everyone find their own way of letting this demon out in a beautiful and kind way. Sometimes it's gonna be in a creative way. Sometimes it's gonna be in a productive way. Sometimes it's gonna be in an efficient way, whatever it is, whether it's a painting you draw in your anger and rage, whether it's an endurance kind of sport you partake in out of this rage, whatever it is, there are ways to use this, and there are ways not to let it go to waste on something so stupid and meaningless that it puts you in prison or gets you in trouble with certain people that you don't need to be in trouble with. <laughs> you know, right? We all have to know our place. And I knew it's dangerous to get involved in those kind of things over there. It's not like America, it's not like Europe where you can call the police and it gets resolved and, you know, there's a fair balance of the way things happen there. It's a different world I'm living in there. It's a different way that the society works. The gears are different. The functions of things are different. The laws aren't always followed the way they are followed here or there or whatever. And you have to be realistic. You have to maintain an honest view of your reality and your dimension at that moment and at all moments you're in. Are there going to be a lot of guys that would have said, oh, you should have done this, Mr. Rape. You should have done that. You're weak. You're whatever. Maybe, but in my opinion, those guys are silly, or those guys have a skill I don't possess, right? They have a way of diffusing that situation that I don't have. You know, I have a very particular take on homelessness. Most people look at homelessness and homeless people as these losers, as these people who uh, you just ignore and you walk by. Some people give them money, some people do certain things to them, some people sell them certain substances and take all their money in return. 
The one thing most people don't do is acknowledge them and look at them and smile at them. That is one of the most valuable things, is let those apes feel like they are actual apes, just like you are, not like they are some piece of rubbish on the side of the road. Most people don't acknowledge homeless people because we just want to blame them. You know, they didn't succeed. We see all these heroes and these successful people and we don't see the people who failed. We don't look at those people. We see those people as weak people, as miserable people, as lazy people. We don't like to acknowledge that this guy's situation might be extremely unique where his mom and dad died on the same day and the landlord came and kicked him out of the house the next. You know, there are some incredible stories that come from these homeless people that demand respect and demand sympathy because it's not very fair to look at these people in this way as this problem. People like to talk about homelessness as a problem that must be swept under the carpet or some shit. No, it's a humanitarian issue that needs to be resolved. It's a very sad, unfortunate part of this world that we live in. Another thing is the energy situation we have on this planet. You know, everyone likes to use their electricity and their mobile phones and all this technology and the fuel to power the warmth in the winter and to survive. Nobody really likes to talk about how complicated this issue is truly. How difficult it is to go green and to switch from coal, coal and oil to solar panels and wind. Because what most people don't understand, people who haven't done the research don't understand is, in theory, it's a great idea to use solar panels or wind turbines. But the problem is it's not sufficient because really you can use as much energy as you want. As long as you have the money, you can use an insane amount of energy. And the result is an impossibility to obtain this much energy to supply the planet through these methods. It's impossible. It's very difficult. It, it requires many, many generations to get there. You know, if only we would have a more ingenious way of solving this solution, like limiting the amount of electricity each ape can consume on this planet. If you only had like 100 watts a day to consume, then it would be somewhat manageable. But when we have these big mansions, not to say there's anything wrong with a big mansion, but the amount of electrical consumption it takes to light the entire house and to warm it up or cool it up, depending on the climate, is massive. And it ain't something a few solar panels can stop and fix and replace. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of electricity, a lot of power. And it's wicked, you know? <laughs> it's a wicked thing, but we don't like to think about it, you know? Are you going to stop using your phone? No, of course not. Are you going to stop using the electricity to power the hospital? No, of course not. You know, we're going to keep doing it, but we're just going to talk about it at dinner parties. Oh, the environment is important. And then we're going to go back on our phones and we're going to drive our electric cars. We use all this energy that still harms the planet, you know, and I'm, I don't mean to make you feel sad or whatever. I just mean to make you understand that we have to acknowledge this wickedness that we all partake in. Whether, whether it's in the animals that are killed to feed us, whether it's in the things we destroy in our environment in order to power us whether it's in the people that sacrifice themselves for us, in all these things, we must be realistic, we must be honest, we must acknowledge this wickedness we possess. This is the only way to be sane and healthy. Otherwise, we become delusional and irrational and angry and insane. We can't maintain a proper mind and body and spirit and soul and energy and a healthy way of viewing our reality if we're delusioned irrationally. We must understand this wickedness. We must acknowledge it. It does not mean we need to dwell on it, but we must at least understand it and be honest about it. Delusion won't solve any of these problems. 
we all have to be more honest about it. As much as we hate to say it, we have to admit it. I have to admit my weaknesses. I have to tell you stories that I'm not proud of to share. You know, I'm not proud of watching a woman get beaten up for 10 minutes, but it's something that's true. It's something I have to acknowledge. And we've all seen different instances of this that we don't like to talk about because it doesn't make great dinner conversation at a party. But in reality, it's, the, it's this true honesty that brings us closer together. It's this true honesty that builds this true connection between each other, between each ape. There is this true connection when you have this true honesty. And sometimes the best way to encourage more people to be like this is to be like this yourself, is to lead by example, is to share stories like this, stories that are uncomfortable to share, stories that may not particularly be fair, but they are true stories and they are honest stories. And they may not be stories that we are particularly proud of. And in a way, I understand the culture. I understand the reason why all these people walked away from her and ignored her and walked by her as she was being beaten on the street. Because nobody wants the risk. Nobody wants the consequences of being involved in that situation, right? Everybody, if they could, would help her, but they don't want to deal with those consequences because the consequences could be severe. Involving yourself with those kind of people could be very dangerous. And that is the danger in corruption. When you have these organizations that operate like mafias and these criminal organizations that are particularly ruthless in their abilities, whether it's a big firm, whether it's a small uh, drug cartel in Colombia or whatever it is, these companies can be very dangerous. And that is why most sound-minded beings and creatures avoid this. And to be honest, I understand this. It makes sense. It's the sad reality of life. That is why when a rabbit is running through the forest and it sees a bear ripping to shreds another deer, it minds its own business and keeps going. Because it knows this little rabbit can't do much. It knows this little rabbit's priority is to survive. Right? A rabbit is not going to stop a bear. But what most rabbits fail to understand and see is that the more they ignore this, the more they sweep this under the rug, the more we ignore these issues and just talk about them and regurgitate information that we hear about them, useless information, sometimes inaccurate information, the more we destroy these causes, the more we make them unlikely to be solved. Because if you really want to get something done, we have to be honest about these issues and not just one-to-one. -one. We have to be honest about these issues in a big group setting. We have to talk openly about them especially the uncomfortable ones. We cannot be afraid to express them. And at the same time, we have to know our place. We have to know which places are appropriate to discuss certain things and which places are not. The sad truth is we can't really discuss things with everyone. It depends on our situation and our environment and a whole stack of factors that fluctuate in these variables that matter. But to those of us who aren't putting themselves at risk by discussing these things because they are lucky like myself to be able to talk about these things without major repercussions, then those people should. Those people should voice these things. Because if not for those people, then no one would. And there is always this certain wickedness we don't like to acknowledge because it doesn't make for polite conversation. That is true for all creatures. All creatures are certainly wicked to certain degrees. And no creature likes to accept it and talk about it openly. And sometimes they're not even aware of it. Sometimes they partake in it and they're not even aware of it. Can you imagine this? Countless of us, including myself, are part of this and partake in this. This mental lying ability where you manipulate yourself because you don't want to accept yourself with the things you do. 
but it's what you do in order to survive or it's what you do to have fun or whatever the reason is you still do it but you don't like to talk about it and you don't like to mentally acknowledge it because sometimes the delusion is so strong inside it that it's difficult to break it the best way to hear it is to explain it to someone else honestly don't sugarcoat anything and explain the situation of something you're a bit skeptical about and try and explain the reasoning behind it. Explain it to someone who's a neutral ally. Explain it to someone who's a neutral party and see how they react to it. Someone who's a, at least of sound mind and body and spirit who will give you an honest answer. Listen to the way they perceive it. Their perception may, may not be the most accurate one, but it gives you another one. It gives you another perception, another perspective to add to your inventory. And it never hurts to have more perspectives there. It never hurts to see, to see the way things people see in different ways. Because my eyes can only see things in a certain way. Another person's eyes will see things in another way. The more, you, the more eyes you have, the more perspectives you have, the more minds you have, the more powerful the ability we have in terms of finding the answers that we may not have. Because sometimes I may be so ignorant that I may not be able to realize that I need someone to wake me out of it to help me escape from my own ignorance and my own delusions. And there are so many instances of me, myself, being so ignorant and silly and delusional about things I do that I need someone, a friend, a person, a neutral party to explain to me how ridiculous it is for me to realize it and to see it and to say, oh, okay, that makes sense. I see how it can look. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of stupid things in my life that people have explained to me how they can be perceived in very, very silly ways. And it's made me think twice about it next time. Sometimes it's not always a good thing to have people change your behavior, but other times it's important. It may even affect your survival. So it's very important to hear what other people have to say, even if you don't want to hear it. It's very important to be open-minded to these different perspectives that may not be comfortable with you, that may not make you feel the most comfortable with yourself. They may put you in uncomfortable mental situations and may even break your perspective, your view on the way you see yourself even. You know, we may have things that have happened to us in the past that have told us not to ever do this or not to ever trust this, not to ever be opened like this or whatever because of these events or these situations that we use to blanket all the present events and all the future events and all the future interactions that we will be part of. We use these things as excuses. We use this wickedness as a weakness. We learn the lesson in an incorrect manner. We don't perceive it accurately. We don't like to share that story enough. We don't get enough perspective. So we create a delusion in our minds. You never see yourself as this strong thing that can never be offended because, it, because it's so amazing and important and powerful that nothing in this world is worth giving you advice because you're so uh, smart or you're so strong, nothing can challenge you. Or you're so cool that no one has the right to make you look silly. No, always be open to being destroyed and being okay with that concept. The environment itself, nature, does not have room for arrogance, right? Everything moves slowly and everything gets done eventually. Nothing is ever in a rush, but everything gets completed eventually. It's the same mentality we must acquire, the same lesson we must learn from nature, from the ocean, from whatever. It's a very valuable one as well. As uncomfortable as I may be in that particular situation, I have to understand the situation and the reality of my situation and my environment and the effects of rushing towards that action I want to take, the danger in that. And I have to suffer momentarily so I can prosper in the longevity of things. 
And that's the beauty in everything. It takes a particular wicked patience that we must acquire in order to handle the wickedness in all of us. But then the result is magnificent. And in the end of the day, an important factor in anything that sometimes we don't like to acknowledge or sometimes we like to overly acknowledge is luck. Luck is such an important factor. Sometimes we're lucky. Sometimes we're in the right situation at the right time. Other times we're not. Right? So it's so easy to look at successful people and say, you know what, they just worked hard and they got there. But the truth is there's a lot of people who worked really hard with all the wicked energy they had. They used it in the right way. They exercised it. All the right things, but luck wasn't there for them. The car hit them at that right day and they died or something happened to them or it just didn't work out for some reason and now they're doing something they don't want to be doing. In the end of the day, we have to acknowledge luck. The most wicked thing is chance. One of the most wicked things on this planet is chance. The place you're born, the situation you're born into, the country you're a part of and the situation of that country, the government that governs you, the chance of you being on that road on that particular day when that event and that situation or that incident occurs. And it may not be fair, but it's the way it is. You know, we have to accept how lucky we are how unlucky certain people may be in certain situations, we have to acknowledge that. And again, I'm a very lucky person to be where I am, to be able to express the information I have, to have my health. A big thing that we all take for granted is health. The amount of people I know who are missing in limbs, the amount of luck I am in to be as healthy as I am, as safe as I am, and to have all the food that I have, and to have all the comforts I have and all the luxuries I take. I'm very lucky, and I have to acknowledge that some people may not be in my position. I have to acknowledge that. That's so important. You know, not everyone can be as comfortable as I am. And I may not be as comfortable as some other people are, but hey, I'm very happy to have what I have. And to be honest, I don't really need much more. I'm, if anything, I have too much. If anything, I eat too much sometimes. <laughs> if anything, I, I'm, I have too much fun. If anything, I'm too happy. And I just have to be extremely thankful and acknowledge how lucky I truly am in this wicked dimension I exist in. Because it can be way worse. It can be so much worse. It's amazing. It's amazing how lucky we may be and we may not realize we are in this wicked world. Sometimes it's easy to forget. It's easy to focus on something that is not important, on all that meaningless shit. It's easy to put so much weight on that silliness and to make us forget. A very, very uh, lucky story I have for you is when I was a child, I remember uh, maybe at the age of seven or ten, something like this, I was standing under a big chandelier in a house and the electricity cut, which is very common in this particular country I was staying in. And my mom told me, don't move, do not move, it is very dangerous, you can't see anything because it was pitch black and it was at night and the electricity went out. And I was standing under a massive chandelier, twice the size of my little body at the time. And I decided to disobey my mother. And I took a few steps in the wrong direction, and I found a place to sit down, and I took a seat. And a few seconds later, this massive chandelier that I was standing right under falls and shatters on the ground and glasses all over me. But I am so lucky not to have been under that thing when that thing went down. You know, it's all luck. That was complete luck. My mother had the best of intentions of telling me to stay where I was so I wouldn't bump into something and fall down or whatever. You know, no one can see that coming. 
You know, I've also broken a lot of bones. Sometimes it was because of my silliness. Sometimes it was out of luck. I was just in the wrong place at the wrong time, and I broke that bone. And uh, whenever you're healing a bone, we have to be very patient with that particular injury. I'm very lucky to have broken so many bones at such a young age, and not to have ever broken important joints. I only ever broke a wrist. I never really broke a knee or something. I've injured a knee horribly in a motorcycle accident, but I've been so lucky never to break a serious, serious ligament or joint. It's always been bones, and they've always healed, and they've always come back way tougher. And I've tested their toughness in Muay Thai sparring fights. I've had strong kicks come in contact with the exact place those bones have been shattered. And um, they still hold up to this day. <laughs> and I, I can't be anything but thankful for the state of my health and my body. And that's something we take for granted until we get sick, until we get ill, until something happens to us. Until we are in an accident or something, or in an incident, an incident has occurred, <laughs> you know? And then all of a sudden, uh, our day turns upside down, and uh, all of a sudden, we're just wishing we just knew, or we just waited a second, or we just stayed at home for a couple more minutes so we wouldn't be in this particular example or situation we're in, because this incident really fucking ruined our month or the next few months, because now we have to be in a wheelchair because we broke a leg or whatever. You know, <laughs> so it's really up to chance sometimes. Sometimes we do our best and we have to be okay with the possibility of it going completely wrong and getting completely fucked up. And that's okay, all right? Let's not panic. Let's not panic. That's okay. <laughs> sometimes I do extremely embarrassing mistakes under the water when I'm scuba diving around technical divers or professional divers. All the divers around me have each had over a thousand dives and here I am making some silly mistakes and being extremely self-conscious of it. But hey, they're very, very humble people, the divers I dive with. They're really, really good ones. So they tell me, look, don't worry, you're improving every day. Yes, you still make those mistakes, but we're seeing you're getting better with your buoyancy, with your trim, with your finning, and with your frog kicks, you're improving. So just know that we know that, so, and don't be too self-conscious about that. But it's important to be a little bit self-conscious about that so you continue to improve like you are. I plan to become a side mount diver. Basically what that means is where you have multiple tanks attached to your body on each side. And uh, yeah, that sounds way funner than having one big ass tank on your back. It's way more complicated in terms of how you hook everything up and when you breathe from which tank, depending on each depth and whatever, it gets very complicated. But it's, uh, it's the coolest one. and. The diving instructor for the technical divers of the side mount divers in my school is pretty cool and I want to start diving with him. I can't wait to get to that level to where I can dive with him because he's a really cool guy. He's this very calm guy who, uh, he's probably one of the most relaxed people I know in my life, you know, because he's one of the best divers they have. He's, he's the instructor for side mount diving, so... You know, he, he's, got some, he's got some experience under his belt, to say the least. But what's so cool about this guy is he's so comfortable in his own self. He's so comfortable in his own skin. He's always smiling, he's always relaxed, and he smokes on top of that. He comes out of the water with a cigarette in his mouth. It's unbelievable, this guy. And um, it, doesn't, it doesn't seem to bother him. You know, <laughs> some people are just insane. Some people are just so cool and lucky and... I don't know how you can smoke and, and have the lung capacity that he has. You know, the other guy I was talking about earlier, uh, Ali, 
he doesn't smoke. That's why he has such amazing lung capacity. Vahey was the best uh, side mount diver. He's the instructor of side mount diving. He's the coolest guy I know, to be honest, in scuba diving that I've met. Cooler than Nasser, cooler than Ali. Sorry if you guys hear this, but he, he, I mean, he's the coolest guy. I can't wait to learn from him and to see him underwater, to have the privilege of diving with this person and to learn all the skills he's going to teach me, hopefully, if I continue on this path. And in the end of the day, I have to be very thankful to be able to dive, to be able to partake in this luxurious sport, to be able to eat the food I eat, to be able to drive the motorcycle I drive, to be able to have the puppy I have, and the friends I have, and the family I have, and the home I have. I can't be anything but thankful in this wicked, wicked dimension I exist in. I know I'm not the first person to nag you about this shit. I know I'm not the first person to tell you it's better to be a kind person. You don't always have to be wicked. And I'm sure you've been nagged about this by many people, whether it was your mother, a concerned friend, or a sibling, or a father, or whatever. But I'm sure most of you have contemplated being wicked, being a wicked character constantly and all the time, and joining these wicked organizations because of what you've been told about them, the possibility, the potential to be so powerful at such a young age, and to have all this excitement, money, fame and power and influence. And look, it's appealing, I get it. And it makes sense, I get why people want to be wicked. It completely is understandable why you'd want to join a gang or some cartel or whatever. Listen, it makes sense. If it was true, right? If it was very likely. The idea most young men have when they join a criminal organization and become fully wicked, begin to do deeds on a daily basis that put them around a bunch of people who are very desensitized and become sociopaths from the actions they take on a daily basis towards other people for their own benefit because they cannot maintain a conscience as these actions that they do on a regular basis take place. It doesn't work. That conscience must disappear in order to maintain your sanity. And the idea is, you know what, I'll live a short life filled with action and money and power and women, but in return I'm gonna die young and uh, I might go to prison or whatever and I'm willing to accept those risks. But at least my life is gonna be fun and exciting. Actually, from the people I've met who are in this business, who live in this circumstance, most of them do not fare well. Even the ones who make it, and I'm friends with a few who have made it, who are very dangerous people now. Now, after they've uh, hit their 30s, and they have a few million dollars, and you know they can't live in certain countries because of legal reasons. Now their dream is simply to leave it, to leave the organization they're in. And that is a very difficult thing because now they found a woman that they want to settle down with or they want to run their family business. They wanna go legit now. And the problem is uh, they cannot leave. The problem is it costs them their life to leave. It's a death sentence to exit this organization, right? It's not like a job you can quit now. And they live in constant anxiety, even though they don't do the dirty work anymore with their hands, because they've leveled up and they've upgraded. They can't enjoy it. And for most of us, we must understand that this is a very rare spot. Most people don't make it this far. Most people die trying to get where the people I know have gotten to. And the people I know who are climbing on this ladder most of them don't make it. Most of them go to prison. Most of them get killed young. And they don't get the experience that uh, 
luxurious lifestyle they had in mind. What in fact they get in the end is a very anxious and worried lifestyle, always looking behind your back, worried about the enemy gangs or the police. You know, I hear that a lot. It becomes very exhausting. And most people regret going down this road. The ones who've made it to the top. You know, would you trade places with me? And all of them have said yes. All of them said, I would wish I could become a person who hadn't done this, who hadn't gone down these roads, who hadn't committed these acts, and just become a normal person once again, where I have so many doors open, I have no law enforcement agents looking for me. Even with all the arguable success they have obtained, to them it's not a good thing. Most of them realize this, and none of them want this path for their children. You know, they want a legit path. They want a safe path. So keep that in mind, even though you may be told by movies or entertainment that it's a fun, exciting, short life, most of the time it's a very corrupt life. You know, even the people you work with, your supposed brothers can backstab you and kill you at any moment. So it's not really a good choice to go down with. If you're thinking long term, you won't make it. And if you're thinking short term, there is a small chance you may get what you want and have a short, fun life. But most of the time, it's going to be very anxious, very stressful, and too risky, and somewhat regretful of an experience from what I understand. So generally, it's not really worth it. It's not worth it to be so wicked. And look, I also get it. I get that sometimes you're brought up in unfortunate circumstances. Within your community, there aren't many options. There aren't many positive role models to look up to, to tell you to go get an education or go do this art or whatever. And most of them might be involved in some criminal organization, especially if you come from a poverty-stricken region or territory. You know, it makes sense, and I see why it's appealing. And you say, fuck it, you know, I'm not going to struggle so hard when I could just live a short, exciting life that might end quick. Again, I remind you, most of the people you know in this industry if you truly get to know them and you truly see the honest side of them and they talk to you as if you are their child, you will understand that they regret it. And if they love you, they will advise you against it. So just keep that in mind. As tempting as it is to go down the wicked road, trust me, I, I can completely understand. And I, I don't mean to tell you that you have to be a good person. I'm just saying going down this road of wickedness is rarely ever worth it in terms of a constant lifestyle, in terms of a consistent career. It doesn't work out. Even so, even if you do make it, it's really not that worth it. Peace of mind is much more valuable to those people. Trust me. Trust me. From the people I've met, peace of mind is worth more than all their money. And with that being said, I hope uh, you have a lucky day. I hope you got something out of this. I hope you can be lucky in the future, <laughs> you know. I hope what you want happens, and I hope you enjoyed this to some degree. I hope I was lucky enough to create something interesting enough for you to consume. And if you did enjoy this episode, and you did listen to this episode on iTunes, maybe consider giving me a review. That would mean a lot to me, you know, letting me know what you think, and subscribing to this podcast on whatever listening platform you're listening on, whether it's Spotify or iTunes or Anchor, whatever it is. It would mean a lot to me. And another thing that would also mean a lot to me is if you headed over to my website, theapetalks.com, you can find the link under this episode. And uh, you scrolled all the way down, all the way down, and you found my Patreon link, the link to my Patreon page. And you considered becoming a Patreon. 
and funding my nicotine chewing gum addiction that is a main catalyst to my random ramblings and it really helps me create this bizarre way of speaking and communicating and helps me be reminded of the interesting stories and the different things that I would like to share with you that make this somewhat bearable to listen to. <laughs> and uh, consider being a Patreon, you know, if you want to, you want to. Hey, I'm not going to stop you. But you know what doesn't stop me and what pushes me forward every day are my comfortable, comfortable t-shirts made by yours truly, uh, Mr. Ape. You know, you can't really go wrong with one of my shirts. 100% cotton, 100% awesome, super comfortable. Inside tags that are digitally printed on the back so there's no itch on your neck. And each tag's color changes according to the shirt's color and design. So it makes each shirt feel very unique and comfortable. They're only $29.99 and we do global shipping. And we'll find a way to get that shirt to you wherever you are in this dimension. I don't care if I have to go back in time to deliver this shirt to you. I'll find a way to get it to you. And on top of that, in case you're curious, all my social media links can be found on my website, the official ones. If you go all the way down, keep scrolling all the way down under the Patreon link, under the Patreon section, you can see the icons, the social media icons of the website. Each one will lead you to my official social media page. All my social media on all platforms is at the Ape Talks. And for any particular reason, if you wish to contact me for any particular request, question, or whatever, please don't be shy. You can find my email through the contact me page on my website. The email is theapetalks at gmail.com. And if you did really enjoy this podcast, one thing that you can do that can truly help me out big time is passing it along to one of your friends that you believe may also enjoy the podcast just like you did. And that would really mean a lot to me. That would make a very big difference in helping me get to more people's ears. And as all wicked things go, eventually they must come to an end. And we've reached the end. Mr. Ape, signing off. (laughs) 